Good morning, good evening, wherever it may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 453, I believe. Uh, my name is Eric Nelson, and with me, my co-host, John White. John, how are you doing? How's it going, Eric? Uh, I was uh, across the San Mateo Bridge early this morning, so um, it was early enough that it was the color of the bay was black. It was dark, and it was also foggy. You know, we have those mornings where, um, you know, you get the fog rolling in. So when I when I got on the bridge, the San Mateo Bridge, for people who don't know, is about seven miles long. I could not see the other side. It was just like driving into blankness. It was always a little bit disconcerting. But It, it has been uh, uh, very, very misty, and uh, you get a little bit of that winter sense. I actually thought yeah. a little bit about the winter season coming up and yeah. possibly getting some snow. We had a little rain. So uh, Bay Area, it's starting to cool down a little bit, and we're definitely getting into that 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 season, I actually like California this way sometimes, right? Mm. You get so used to the dry season that when the fog starts to roll in over and you feel that cool air, it feels a little bit like Christmas seasons yeah. our way. Yeah. Uh, really fun. That's so, what passes for uh, uh, winter season is it's 50 degrees in the morning. Right. It's still 85 in the afternoon. So shout out to everybody listening. Thanks a lot for downloading. Uh, we are on live stream again today. Hey, guys, how's it going? Um, we don't have a guest today, but we are going to talk about uh, some of the stuff that I've learned on AWS, uh, some good AWS stuff happening uh, around the company, as well as uh, some, some news items we've heard about, uh, some stuff in India that we could, we could talk about. Mm-hmm. So share some insights of kind of the things that are happening around VMware that we're hearing about, uh, as well as leading up to VMworld in Europe and uh, the AWS show, so, and just AWS in general. So uh, we did announce the cloud health. Uh, acquisition, so we can Closed, right. uh, talk about cloud health. Now we weren't allowed to talk about that until this show, so we'll spend a little bit of time talking about cloud health. I've learned some stuff about it, and then uh, we'll go forward. But uh, before we get into cloud health and AWS and all that, um, what's happening with regard to VMworld? I guess VMworld is maybe three weeks away now in Europe, so uh, still still time to sign up and reg. Uh, reg is on track, but we could always use more people there, so if you know somebody they want to bring to VMworld Europe, definitely uh, get them going. I know we're going to be there full force. We've seen the full booth layout again, uh, two theaters, the code sessions, uh, uh, Raspberry Pis, um, all, of the, all of the stuff we had in, in U.S. is going to be there, including our blockchain implementation with code coins so you can earn some coins maybe get yourself one of those cool bomber uh, jackets um, very cool very very nice jacket uh, along with uh, sensors we're going to be giving away some of the uh, raspberry pi uh, barometric pressure sensors and some of that stuff uh, for in the code area and then the brown bag is going to be there full force uh, um, we have uh, uh, Valdesir Calvejo has uh, announced the VXPert Pro program. He's going to be there. Talk a little bit about VXPert Pro uh, as we go. So we've got VMworld coming up. Uh, what else do you have? Do you have anything, John, that you want to share with the world with regards to news? Yeah, I, I saw really interesting um, coverage of Pat Gelsinger, the VMware CEO, at the Best of Breed conference, which is um, a, a solution provider uh, conference, and that was from Monday. And he said something which was pretty thought-provoking, which was um, VMware's internal uh, count of security tools that we use from third-party providers uh, has dropped to 20. And I and so the, I had two different kind of conflicting uh, feelings about that. One is kind of my my small business 
uh, you know, background, which was, wow, 20 is a huge number. And then my experience with my customer base, you know, of enterprises, which is, you know, that feeling was, wow, only 20, right? Like, I think I want to say the average number of security tools maybe that was quoted was over 50. And some, you know, in some cases it can be like 70 or more um, for audit, for compliance, for all those different things. And it was just to, uh, I think he also said that he wanted to drop it, you know, in the future down to below 15. And the idea being that VMware's like core product line just, you know, encompasses like, you know, full end-to-end security um, so that we can use fewer products in general. Just the idea being the more tools you have, the more management, the more patching, the more integration points, the more fragility that you have in your security stack. It was it was something I want to say I found to be a, a pretty audacious like uh, statement to make. You know that hey, we just want to uh, swallow up that entire field, and and not so much like you know swallow up functionality. It was just why don't we just bake those like kind of end-to-end security, you know, encryption um, on on disk, uh, data in flight, end-to-end networking, like um, all of those things just have that as core functionality of our product stack. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's absolutely a move that we're making. Uh, mm-hmm. I see it um, even when we were looking at what are we going to be promoting at AWS, right? Uh, we, we work with Raghu uh, Raghamaran. So we met with Raghu. We talked to him about what we're doing with AWS. Um, and uh, he, he, he gave us some of his team members to work with to, to look at the overall strategy, right. the big things that we want to, and the narrative around cloud. Because cloud has been kind of it in, in the company all over the place. Um, but one of the big ones that uh, Raghu uh, talked to us about um, was the cloud security and compliance. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it is one of the functions. Even if you look at serverless computing strategies, right? And yeah. how to build your app across nodes and, and, and not worry about you know, what server it's on. Um, you still have to worry about security. You have to worry about app security. You have to, you know, that's the modern day you know, concern in cloud and hybrid cloud is what's the security model and how are you providing security across all your applications? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just you know, more and more companies, you know, as, you know, um, we integrate across multiple different product lines and multiple different cloud providers and, and your product, your core product becomes more and more about software. Um, and I'm not talking about VMware, I'm talking about, you know, people in the, in the IT operations world and, and, uh, and just companies in general, right? Uh, it used to be that, you know, you might have like, some kind of core competency, but more and more the core value that you're providing, you know, there's a physical presence, but there's also, you know, an integrated software presence. And just to have that data not vulnerable, not um, something that can not just be read, but what if, you know, somebody gets into your, I don't know, again, so I work for a wholesale distributor. You can imagine if you're a wholesale distributor of hard goods and somebody gains access not just to your financials, but what about just like central operations and, and just starts changing inventory levels for different products and costs of goods sold and, and things like that. You know, if you can't trust the data that you have about your business, it's almost like you're very quickly out of business. Right, right. right. And it, it's hard to know who's doing what with what data breaches that you do have. Yep. But, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things. If you look at the uh, the... Uh, micro server incidents in in China where they're they're embedding a chip on the Ethernet controller to, right. to be able to watch Ethernet traffic. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you do with that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, like, it was, it's very interesting because that again is you know in news and 
my my thoughts about that story that you know were almost it was very mixed one was you know embedded hardware onto a motherboard you know taking control you know that is a very scary idea but then like my secondary thought was oh wait you know at least my orientation on these types of things is is very kind of vmware centric and network centric and and monitoring network traffic and in the news reporting about that story was about um, and just to back up, we're talking about this a Business Week uh, um, story about um, uh, apparently micro, uh, you know, I would say pencil tip sized chips being embedded uh, as a compromise onto hard- hardware motherboards uh, to right. then compromise control over um, apparently now network controllers. And in part of me again was like, wow, that's you know game over. You know, you can. Uh, compromise any server anywhere. And then my secondary thought was, well, actually, that's not that big of a deal. We we monitor network traffic right. very, very strictly, right. you know, yeah. at that network layer. So right. the reporting was like, whoa, you know, these pings can go out, you know, and if it's just one or two, like people almost, you know, it's like a, a blip on a security camera. Oh, you got a little bit of static, you tap it and oh, it came back, you don't pay attention anymore. And I was like, oh, that is not how security operations and network operations is. You know, if you have errant pings going out to random IP addresses, you know, you pay very, very close attention to, to what's going on there and, and what that means. Um, so, you know, especially in today's security climate, and, you know, you might have firewalled networks. So, you know, just even the attempt to find a route to those those. IP addresses is paid attention to. So, yeah. you know, maybe a big deal and also maybe very, very detectable these days, right? right? So in, in the end, we are getting into security. I'm not sure how much of our security solutions, you know, you have network security. We're talking about that with NSX and uh, I'm not sure how much of this, uh, there's there's levels of security. There's the business security. Uh, mm-hmm. There's uh, Then you get into the CIA level of security, sure. which, you know, nobody's, convinces me that we're not doing the same type of stuff. I mean, I know that our government has reached out to all the major vendors and, you know, talked to them about being able to you know, sniff in OSs and, and right. put, put backdoors in OSs. And I honestly don't believe that, uh, that I, I, you're not going to convince me that they don't have that, right? That, that they right. do have that. That would mm-hmm. be my guess. I don't have any knowledge of that, but that would be in my assessment, right? So there's different levels. There's government security. Then there's hacker security. There's business security. And so there's different levels of that. Um, the, 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 when you get into nationwide, you know, nations and their security apparatus at nation the nation state, level, yeah. nation states, uh, I don't think that we even understand the level of which those guys are actually doing. And this chip uh, insertion is just another level at that level, which I'm not sure, you know, people aren't listening to all the conversations that are happening across the globe at any given time. So, uh, but that's uh, business security. I think it makes sense. User security, application security. Uh, I like all that. And that's where we're going. And so it is interesting. We are getting there. And uh, that, that's, that's absolutely one of the ones that we'll be talking about when we're at AWS. Yeah. So, you know, it just got me thinking a little bit more about security. And I went out to, um, I, so there's these uh, videos about physical security that I watch too. You know, a lot, right. a lot of the you know black hat and just the the various uh, um, conventions out there. Um, you you get a lot of security discussion. And there's this interesting video about physical security. And uh, there's a company that does pen testing. And and I'm blanking. I didn't write it down. But uh, 
if you go to YouTube and look for uh, the search for the perfect door, um, there's a, it's a really cool video about just the um, easy compromises to physical, physical security that we don't pay attention to at the lock level and the door level. And it's things like gaps in the door that you can stick a wire through and then kind of pull down on the handle from the other side that you have to have if, for um, fire, fire uh, codes. Uh, it's just really interesting stuff that I never thought about. And, um, and it's an interesting view on, on security that is uh, uh, you need to pay attention to those kinds of things. I think those are a lot easier than compromising the supply chain of your computer hardware, just getting access to right. a, a data center, right. you know, if you're not uh, hosted somewhere. Yep. All right. So moving on, yep. we'll talk a little bit about uh, what's happening um, uh, across AWS. I think there's some interesting things that we're going to be doing there. Um, one is uh, we, we, we should talk about cloud health. So I'll, I'll rattle through the, the subjects that we can chat today, sure. right? And then we'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll attack each one of them. Cloud health, big announcement there. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about what cloud health is and why it's important. Um, and how much market share they have, right? So that's mm. an interesting one. Uh, VMC and AWS, we're going to be talking about VMC and you know, infrastructure as a service and what, what that means. Uh, VKE, you know, learn, you know, we, we had a VKE guest on and finally figured out what VKE is right. Right, and, and how that works, so good there. Uh, cloud security and compliance, we're going to be there. Uh, NSXT, we're going to we're talk about NSXT and being able to run uh, NSXT native on AWS. So there is uh, our infrastructure that we can you know, support, but then there's also just running their elastic compute environment, and then NST can plug into that. Right? So we're going to yeah, be there. And then, of course, Wavefront, uh, SRM, Horizon, uh, RDS, uh, and, and Greengrass. RDS and Greengrass fall into the category of things that Amazon will run in your data center on vSphere. Right. So right. a little bit of subjects, a little bit of different subjects there. And so those are the kind of the big buckets that we're going to go to AWS and, and, and talk about so we can, we can tick through some of these. Uh, the goal for us at AWS is to uh, let everyone know that comes to reInvent that VMware is a premier provider of solutions on AWS or, right. you know, v VMware is, uh, is, gets sold on Amazon, right? right. Amazon right. sells VMware software and that we have a lot of different solutions that are running native on uh, AWS as well as infrastructure as a service that we offer on AWS and, uh, and then as well as AWS software inside of vSphere on-prem. On Right, so really good solutions there, and then the, the the most interesting one is cloud health. The fact that we bought it, so this really changes, you know, for me the game of what VMware is. Right, um, right. I think when we bought NSX, uh, or I think what was it, Nicira, back Nicira, in the day, right. that actually fundamentally changed who VMware was. Where VMware predominantly was compute. Right, uh, didn't really have vSAN out yet. Right, we bought Nicira, and all of a sudden we went from compute to compute and network. Right, right. Then we implemented vSAN, and we were compute, network, and storage. Uh, that, but it really did change where we uh, uh, went at where, the way we went after the market, expanded who we are. We've been dabbling in AWS and cloud, right? And we say we have hybrid cloud and we have cloud vendors. But if you look at the predominant sales, uh, we're still selling vSphere, now NSX, and vSAN, right? Um, 
And even though we talk about Amazon and we talk about what we can do there, if you look at our business, you know, how much business we're doing there, you know, you know, it's, it's 10% maybe if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really didn't change fundamentally who we, who we were as a company. But if you look at the cloud health acquisition, so cloud health is, uh, you know, it, my assessment is it's a, it's a management app that manages the delivery of or the consumption of uh, Amazon workloads. Right. right. So, um, and this is way the way enterprises can manage what's spinning up and spinning down in in their AWS environments. And the the the, the stat that I thought was compelling was uh, Cloud Health manages 25% of all Amazon workloads. That's amazing. Yeah. That's stunning. Yeah. So so in a one fell swoop, just like we bought. Azure, uh, sorry, bought an Acera and ended up in the networking business, right? Mm-hmm. And being a serious player in the networking business, the purchase of cloud health puts us in the Amazon business, yeah. right? In the AWS business, where 25% of all Amazon workloads now are being managed by something that, Am- that VM- VMware provides to AWS customers. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which is pretty much a game changer when it when you talk about what are we offering up to, to customers. Before that, it was kind of like, well, we've introduced VMC and AWS, and that's certainly an interesting uh, infrastructure as a service you know, offering, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we certainly offer then solutions where you know, uh, uh, um, SRM right, you know, mm-hmm. would take advantage of that, where if you want to do site recovery manager, you want to build an extra data center, you can just you know, use uh, Platform as a service, we have VMC and AWS, add it to my enterprise deal. It's kind of one of these things that I'll get to, right? And some people are starting to get serious about it, and that's good. Um, and we certainly have, you know, about five to about 500 to 1,000 customers that are in, in various stages of implementation of that. Um, but when you talk about now uh, buying something on like Cloud Health, that that's a whole different ballgame. What's interesting, I think, that you're pointing out to me, and I hadn't really put this together yet, but Cloud Health's business is really focused on people who are using native AWS services. Yep. So yep. for VMware to purchase a company that is not focused on on-prem infrastructure, you know, at least maybe you know 50-50 or even 60-40, um, you know, cloud and versus on-prem, it's you know, I want to say you know like 80-20 focused on on cloud oh, infrastructure yeah. versus on-prem infrastructure? Yeah, yeah, probably 99 to zero. Right, right, right. Like, and I think our purchase is to actually come back and bring that back into your hybrid cloud environment on-prem, where now you can manage all of your workloads through one, you know, interface, right? That And they've got a all the AWS customers or 20, it's a gorilla in this right, space, right? right? Um, and then being able to extend that into on-prem data centers as well, probably one of our strategies. Right, right. right. Um, and so that, 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 that's where you step back and you go, wow. And it, it's funny because we've been patting ourselves on the back for the last three weeks ever since uh, VMworld uh, in where we had the community booth and we were packed the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the AWS, AWS people came by, saw that we, were, you know, we had the code area, it was packed. We had vBrownBag, it was packed. We had blogger tables, we had yeah, Makerspace Labs. And we had been trying to get a booth in uh, at AWS reInvent uh, for the last six months, mm-hmm. and we get these outrageous quotes like you know, three hundred fifty thousand dollars for a ten by twenty foot 
which is like that's like a tiny tiny that wouldn't even that wouldn't that gets us 12 chairs and nothing right wow uh and that's how much that's how much it was cost. so but when the aws reinvent people were at vmworld because they they were there they had a big presence seeing there. what you're doing they came by they saw what we're doing they invited us up for a meeting and all of a sudden they gave us a 35 35 by 35 foot experience mm-hmm. in the uh, in their makerspace uh, hotel the area right. um and uh all of a sudden, we're like, wow, they saw us. They saw, they got us. They right. got what we were about. Right. But they also knew we were buying Bought Cloud Health. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, we got this sweet deal mm-hmm. to have a, you know, a big space, prominent space uh, in AWS. And that's just a factor that just reflects that they knew VMware was showing up to the party now. Right? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys credit more than... Cloud health, maybe, and maybe that's just my optimistic view. I think that the um, the VM Village and the VMTN space has to be seen to be understood. Maybe you know, once you understand that you're bringing in people and you're bringing in like a, a community sense and, and peer-to-peer networking and presentations. Like I think when I saw it for the first time a few years back, it really did click for me. Right, right? and it's just gotten yeah. bigger and better. So. Sure, maybe Cloud Health is, has uh, has influenced that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the team a little bit more credit. Now, now the interesting thing in listening to Ragu and uh, Guido, who worked for Ragu, uh, is that uh, we are definitely seeing our business shift. Right, mm-hmm. like VMware is shifting business right to AWS as a you know, premier piece of our strategy. Yeah. you know, it's like NSX, vSAN, compute, and AWS all at the tier one level, right? right? Um, and then products and offerings across the board, right? Yep. So it was you know, your data center, we enabled your data center, and, and then we got into NSX, which you know, webbed out into network infrastructure. But now I just see, oh yeah, we're, and, and if you look at their roadmap and what they're talking about from a, what products we're gonna have on AWS, it's everything. Yeah. Right? And yeah. oh, by the way, it's not just everything, we're gonna buy big pieces of other companies, you know, such as Cloud Health, Mm-hmm. And we're going to offer up um, offer up solutions on AWS native, and then backport it into your data center. It's really interesting because you know I I had a kind of wide and diverse uh, customer base um, in my portfolio, and a message that I kept on hearing from a significant fraction of those customers was, we're trying to kind of get out of the data center business. You know, data center operations is not core to our business. So if you're a financial services company, you know, you might have a significant portion of the value of your company is generated in software running on technology. But the data center operations that, that you know, the server racking and stacking, the, the network design, that is, how much value is that adding to the company? Right. You know, your ability yeah. to find real estate for those data centers to, to sit in. Is, is that really a value add to the company? Is that something you can rent? And, and co-loing is like a, you know, a really good first step to outsourcing that to somebody else. But then, you know, is the VMware installation and bring up, is that adding value to the company? Or is it the software afterwards that's really adding value? And, and so I think that we really have gotten into that space. And for some companies, the answer to that question is, yes, it is adding value. We feel like we can do it better, cheaper, faster than a cloud provider, or 
you know, we can add stability for baseline workloads um, at a lower cost, and that's great. You know, so we have, you know, a solution for that. And for the companies who just want to get out of that business and rent it from somebody else, you know, as a service, now we have a, a, a really, you know, tier one solution for that. And that, that's amazing yeah, to, right. to go from that. And, and, and if you look at, you know, the implication to practitioners as mm-hmm. a whole, I mean, this has to be a journey for everybody, right? Oh, yeah. uh, I think our, our, our VKE guest last week, I forget his name already, Art, I think mm-hmm. his name was Art, um, you know, he, he talks about that, you know, this is our career moving forward yeah. into the kind of the, the true cloud environment, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Where, where these things are things that we're going to be selling, that we're all going to have to get to, right? And sitting around managing your VMs and managing, you know, running on vSphere uh, uh, and running vCenter to manage all that is, is nice. But uh, this is expanding, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and it makes me feel young again, right? I, I need <laughs> to get an earring and be, shave my head and be super cool because uh, it, 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 is a, it is kind of a generational thing and the way people you know, attack computing and cloud computing now. Right? Absolutely. So, um, we made that, an, I think I always make this analogy, is like you know, 10 years ago, if you're in data center operations, maybe a big part of the value that you were bringing to the organization was your ability to specify a computer, you know, down to the motherboard and chipset level and, right. and figure out which of, you know, 30 companies you're actually going to buy this computer build from. And that has gone away. That is not at all like the business that IT operations is in anymore. There's maybe yeah. four people that you would buy, uh, you know, a server class computer from. And, and honestly, you probably have a preferred provider. And it's just really about selecting the platform and the, the t-shirt size and then running your technology on top of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next thing, all right, so, so that's uh, uh, Cloud Health. So if you haven't yeah. learned about Cloud Health, uh, we're going to have Cloud Health sessions uh, at AWS. We will live stream them. Nice. Uh, so Julia, our amazing live streamer, will we'll be there. And we will be live streaming the Cloud Health sessions as well as sessions across all these categories. I think we're going to have like 60 sessions uh, at our booth with a super cool theater. So uh, if you happen to be you know, interested in coming to Vegas, I would come to Vegas. Yeah. I would get a day pass. I would come by. I would see what we're doing, uh, run into this, and, and, and you know, get exposed to some of these sessions or at least check it out on the, on the live stream which we will promote. Um, so that's cloud health which I think is a game changer for us and as we learn more about it we'll you know, bring some guests. Uh, we're going to have some speakers there and we'll hopefully get one of the guests on, uh, on the podcast in the next couple of weeks just to talk about what they're going to be Very talking cool. about at AWS. And then uh, the cloud health team does have their own booth at AWS so they, they've got a lot of other things they're doing sure, yeah. as we ab- absorb them. The other one that uh, Raghu and them talked about, and uh, and I learned a little bit about this in having meetings with them to kind of get mm-hmm. the whole AWS strategy. Uh, I learned a little bit, and uh, VMC on AWS, right? It's like okay, you know, we know uh, what that is, but you know, I've I've always heard had rumors and had the the assumption that if you didn't want, if you want to run vSphere on Amazon, that there's probably a backdoor way to run it native, right? Mm. That you could go get some compute resources at Amazon and then put whatever payload I want. And I know that they've done that with NSX, where you can get a Linux kernel 
and you can uh, hack it and then run NSX on it, uh, uh, NSXT, and, and then create your own virtual network to your own data center and run workloads uh, out on AWS and then have network connectivity, secure network con- connectivity back to your own data center. Right. So I know that's been there, but I also assume that you could also run other pieces of the stack in similar fashion, right? But the answer was uh, from, back from them, no, you can't, right? Like right. there is no way to run vSphere in, uh, in Amazon services right now in AWS. So right. uh, if you really do want to have vSphere or our stack running, you, are, you, know, you, you do need to get VMC. Mm-hmm. Right. And that the the you know 400 engineers they've got working on the whole stack is to just be able to enable that. Right, right. Uh, which I didn't really get. I just assumed that v, uh, VMC and AWS was kind of like a bundled offering for us. If you want one throat uh, to th- you know to choke, you know you could buy our offering, and that's how you got vSphere there. And then we could you know support that through enterprise services and you know one place to just buy all your licenses. Right. Uh, but the reality is what what what, what they enlightened me was no, you can't really do that. That if you want to run vSphere over on Amazon, this is the only way to do it. Right. right. I'm still not sure. I'm, I'm totally convinced that's the case. Right. I I want anybody that's uh, listening to this to reach out to me. You know, Eric and I Pro uh, is my Twitter handle, and let me know if anybody's figured out how to run it. You can run hypervisors all over the place, right? Like so, so there is a thing on Amazon called the i5 uh, metal dot metal instance. Okay. Which is the hardware platform. Um, that they released after VMware Cloud and AWS became a thing. Okay. They said, oh, okay, so you know, VMware's getting this bare metal um, service. Like, you know, we're going to try to release that out to everybody. So I don't know how, how big of a seller that is. And I have heard, I don't have first-hand uh, experience, that installing vSphere on this, this instance is not easy. Um, okay. It's not, right. a, not a trivial thing. And it's also quite an expensive uh, uh, offering um, from them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a fully loaded server, right? So, so then to, to run vSphere, you're really talking about like a three-node cluster. And, right. and so even just the orchestration and coordination right. there is, is non-trivial. Yeah, it does, doesn't make sense to do that. You're yeah. paying 20000 a year for a $20,000 server. Right, right. <laughs> right. Um, all right, so that's what I, yeah, I'm still tracking that one down because when we're at AWS doing kind of tech sessions, it would be fun to have a tech session that talk a little bit about, you know, what are the other alternatives? Can I run ESX, you know, on some kind of native gear that right. Amazon offers? Um, the, the, the top level guy said, no, you can't do that. We don't support, you know, there's nothing there there, but I'm not certain that that is the case. There might be some of these odd offerings that you can go do that. There's yeah. only two bare metal offerings that I'm aware of, and one is the i5 metal and the other is the R5 metal. And again, I think installing vSphere is non-trivial. Right. Uh, and it might not, it, you might be able to hack it together, but you know how stable it is is, uh, is an open question. And uh, just an aside, speaking of hypervisors, um, we, got, we are going to have the Raspberry Pis there. We are doing these kind of like data collection, cool sensors. We got really, we got 10 cool se- sensors that are going to be there. And the reason I bring this up when we're talking about hypervisors is that uh, we did get a blog article from somebody in the CTO office, I think, that uh, has uh, ESX running on an ARM chip. Right. Oh, so okay. uh, now the, the the size of the ARM environment that he's got it running on—that's the real question. It's not a Raspberry Pi. No, it's so the, yeah. So the question is, can we make that work on a Raspberry <laughs> Pi? So uh, we are going to be trying to do that in the booth as well as one of the fun projects that we've got going on. Uh, and so uh, 
Yeah, hypervisors everywhere. And We're famously proud for the small footprint of our hypervisor, so I would be interested to find out whether um, the Raspberry Pi platform is large enough. Large enough to do that. And you yeah. can buy different Raspberry Pis. they got memory you know, yeah. soldering on them, although I'm not sure. Um, and as long as we're on that, I'll just run through real quick, and then we'll get back to the main subjects. Uh, you want to hear what uh, the top 10 uh, sensors we're going to have for the Raspberry Pi? Ooh, I want to hear. At yes, AWS? definitely. Okay. So number one, these are not in any particular relevant order, so it's not really a top 10 list. It's just 10. Hey, list uh, of 10. Right. Um, the BMP280 is a barometric pressure sensor, so we did that at uh, VMworld, so we're right. going to also have that there. Um, Another one, the second one we've got is an MQ2 gas sensor. So this measures uh, various gases in the air. Uh, one of them is alcohol gas. So we can then, uh, you know, if you drink a beer and you come and you breathe into it, you can get your gas level, how much alcohol, and you can oh, actually yeah, kind of make a little uh, drunk sensor. I, I was wondering, uh, so the thing that immediately popped in my mind was actually carbon monoxide. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't remember. It did have various gases. I'm not sure it had carbon dioxide. It, the sensor does like five different gases. The one that was easy to talk about was uh, alcohol. alcohol, and we could do it as a demo in the booth. So. Five different gases. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so argon, we radon. A, you know, it had a weird ones. Right. We had a skunk outside my house mm -hmm. last night, so this, that's probably not on the list. So somebody in the chat, if you want to, I'll watch chat. You can go look up uh, MQ2 and read off what uh, gas what gases it does, and then I'll, I'll talk about it if you want to do that. But uh, I don't have time to sit and use my browser here and go look up which ones <laughs> it does while we're talking about it. The third one is PIR motion sensor, which actually does near-far sensing. So you can uh, see who's walking by the room and uh, do that. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty neat one. Uh, not super neat, but we'll have it there. And how you get these sensors, we're going to give the sensors away. So if you come uh, and watch some of the uh, sessions that we have in our super cool, uh, super cool theater, then uh, we'll give away sensor cards, and you can go pick up the sensors from the desk. Right, so you will have ten sensors. We're buying these. All these are like two to four dollar sensors, so we should be able to buy enough of them to just give them away. We're going to have big sensor bins, like Lego bins, where you can come through and see all the sensors, and then we'll do sessions on each sensor throughout the day. So we'll do a couple sessions for each uh, sensor. So you can learn what the sensor's doing, how to write, write code to make it work. Uh, we so have an... M yeah. MQ2 is yeah. uh, H2, so that's hydrogen. Yep. LPG, like propane. Yep. Um, CH4 and CO, so carbon monoxide. Is so it does do carbon dioxide. Yeah, yeah. alcohol and smoke, actually. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's right. It did a, you, can do, you can do smoke, yeah, so you can make a a smoke detector as well oh, out of it. So. Very cool. Kind of neat. I thought the alcohol one was the best one to talk about when we're at a tech show. Yeah, I think it might be difficult. Uh, it might just be always going off. Well, and the, the other thing is I did consider smoke, but I'm like, I don't think we want to encourage people to like light in little fires in the mm, booth to kind of like probably test not. their sensors. So we thought we would just bring in like a couple six packs of beer and then just mm. let people drink, uh, have a drink and then, uh, you know. I'm seeing the head, into their headlines now, right. like VMTN community booth burns down, burns AWS, down AWS, AWS. Yeah, yeah, the whole hotel. That'd be yeah. great. Uh, okay, so let's see. We have a HCSR04 ultra, ultrasonic sensor. Measures the distance from objects with sound. So it sends out a sound wave. has two little cones. It's a pretty cool-looking sensor. Right? 
Wow. Um, yeah, so that was good. And all these are just uh, pinouts so that we have little wires that you can connect them right to your Raspberry Pi. So no soldering required in the booth, so it should be a lot of fun. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, this is taking longer than I thought, but uh, hey, we'll, we'll do the rest of them. Why not? Uh, an RFID card reader, so Ooh. they give you a little, a little reader plus a little card, so you yeah. have both and that you can you know, get uh, an ID you know, pulled in and then see the ID and pass that up, data So you up can build your own yeah. uh, RFID yeah. uh, card stealer is yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Now, these are all kind of hacky little things you can do. I, I mean, saw a blackout session on that, yeah. so that's yeah. why I'm yeah. thinking that. That should be fun. Uh, uh, one of my favorite ones is the MPU6050 gyroscope uh, reader. So it uh, has a gyroscope. It has a, an accelerator sensor in it as well. So you can get you know, X, Y, and Z coordinates as well as movement coordinate, you know, uh, accelerometer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Pretty slick, right? So what you, you would typically use in a, a quadcopter. So yeah, yeah. Some of these guys build Raspberry Pi, little mini Raspberry Pi controlled quadcopters. There's software out there that you can get. And it uses this little sensor, you know, acceleration and gyroscope to be able to keep your quadcopter level. Open source quadcopter. Yeah, they have it. Yeah, you can you can go get it. Of and, course, that yeah, would yeah. exist. That's and amazing, guys. Amazing. You can actually three D print, you know, all the parts too. So oh can, my goodness, you can get the the board, you can get the software, you get the couple sensors, and then you can three D print. Uh, you do have to get little motors, right? Yeah, you have to, yeah. You have to buy some stuff, but but uh, we yeah. live in the future. Yeah, yeah, sure, okay. The uh, the that's all cool. Uh, EMC five eight three L. Uh, GY-271, that's kind of a long one, compass. So you can get, uh, oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, it gives you a compass, gives you, yeah, so now you can fly in a direction, you know, and mm -hmm. you can write software that controls where you're going. Uh, there, there was a sensor, but it was a little too expensive. I think it was like $7, so it would be too expensive to buy it, which is a GPS sensor. Yeah, so yeah. They, they did have a GPS sensor, uh, but I just didn't put it on the list because it was going to be. Okay. But we are going to have a few of these. We're going to buy maybe 10 or 15 of these cooler, more expensive sensors, so, and then give them away as kind of, you know, prizes along along the four day event. So now, see, I'm getting you convinced that maybe you should come AWS. Plus, we'll have all the the true AWS v, uh, v Cloud Health, VMC and AWS, VKE, Cloud Security, NS6T, Wavefront, SRM, Horizon, RDS, Green Graphs. Mm -hmm. All these things are going to have presentations throughout the week, but also we're going to do all the fun stuff as well with the sensors. Uh, so yeah, there is uh, the next one, which I think is also really cool, is a raindrop sensor kind of little pad with little little dots on it and then yeah it'll 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 measure moisture so oh wow yeah so uh if you want to make one of uh, one of these projects you can do is you can make a little thing that you sit out in your yard that'll turn on your sprinklers or turn off your sprinklers if you you know if it senses rain yeah, if it senses rain yeah oh yeah, so you of can, course yeah, yeah, yeah you can do those kind of little projects but humidity any kind of water yeah, mm -hmm. app you can do um uh, another one we're going to give away is the seven-segment display, so a digital display, 00, .00 so that you can write some apps that you know give you numbers and counters and things like that. So it's a little d digital display. When I was in school, our project was always program your own reverse Polish notation calculator. Um, that was the the old HP system for uh, doing calculus reverse Polish notation. Right. And uh, right. yeah, so. 
that would that's immediately what comes to mind. I'm trying to think what the I had an HP 12C. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's the financial yeah. one. I want to say. It's, yeah, it's the financial one, but just still yeah. storing in the register and then adding. Yeah, yeah exactly. The yeah, store exactly. once. Put in register one. Put in register and then right. add. Which, as a computer science guy, I loved it. Right. Even yeah. though I did business and computer science and a little bit of marketing during, I did all that during university. I I love the idea that you're just storing things in registers and adding. Right. When I yeah. first took my first computer science class and they floated the idea of queues, I immediately understood what that was because I'd been using this RPN calculator yeah. my whole life. Yep, 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 yeah. Easy to easy to do. Uh, and then finally the last one we have is a a small joystick so sensor that basically has uh, two X axis joysticks which give you uh, potential potential yeah. potentiometer. To yeah, something Potential meters. I don't know. Maybe so, I spelled it wrong. But yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a little mini, a middle, mini little mini joystick controller that you're going to have. Yeah. Right, right. So all these things are things that we're going to then have little labs for, so you can do. So it's kind of like in the makerspace area of AWS, but then we got our theater. And to get these sensors, you go sit through a real talk, and then you get a, a sensor card at the end of it, and you can go choose whichever sensor you want to get. Oh, very cool. And then we have lab spaces with proctors that will help you build. Uh, and use that and use that to upload your data into the cloud and then we will have a wavefront, uh, a wavefront instance with sessions on wavefront to, to, to grab that data and then you know, if, you, if you move the joystick around, it'll, it'll send that data up and then you can graph it in a wavefront to see you know, what you're doing. On so, your so I'm imagining like having uh, this uh, alcohol um, meter like embedded like a microphone near my mouth and then over the course of the show or the course of the evening as I have a drink or two, maybe, you know, um, sending all that information to Wayfront and it can graph and tell me exactly what my, my alcohol level is coming out of my mouth. Now, not to feel bad if you're listening to this and you're, you are going to VMworld Europe, I might buy some of these sensors and just bring them along for fun, even though we didn't have them for U.S. Mm -hmm. Since we are doing some of this and you're interested in it and you've heard it on the podcast, you can come up and chat and yeah. uh, I'll have some, I'm sure. The um, the run, ran, runway to uh, AWS reInvent is a little bit longer than to Barcelona. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we got till the end of November for AWS, and uh, but the AWS, if you're interested in going to reInvent, uh, schedule builder for them opens up tomorrow. Okay. So we're busy trying to get our sessions in. Uh, we don't have our session IDs yet. We're probably going to be miss it by. We're probably going to be there by the end of the week. So, okay. um, awesome. but if you are going to the show, we will be in the, uh, their 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 content calendar and schedule builder free mobile app. So you'll be able to search us, and we'll give out session IDs as we get closer and get those in maybe by the end of the week. Awesome. All right, so we're moving on. So VMC on AWS, you know, we got that. Uh, it is platform. It's an infrastructure as a service, uh, and it is the way to basically get vSphere everywhere. So right. it makes a lot of sense. VKE, we talked about on the last show, so go listen to um, podcast number 452, I believe, mm -hmm. and, uh, and listen to VKE. It's basically container as a service on AWS. We talked about it in the last 10 minutes, yeah. and it was differentiated. Uh, instead of um, uh, renting the service and having it be on-prem, something that you, you have to install, it's something that's provided as a service, I believe, out of the Amazon cloud. Um, so it's another one of our uh, Amazon Cloud Native services, uh, and yeah. it's just a Kubernetes as a service managed by you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and uh, and Kubernetes with a K or a C. Yeah, right? it just depends on which way you want to run it with it. Kubernetes as a service or a container right. service. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff there, and we will have some presentations on serverless computing and you know infrastructure. We have open source uh, projects that we're working on uh, that we have VMware contributors to, and the, uh, uh, for. Uh, uh, serverless computing. Uh, there's a there's a name of the open source project, but I don't know what it is yet. And um, we're arranging speakers for that, so we'll be there talking about VKE. I think we're gonna have five or six VKE uh, sessions, uh, and then you know, and and a couple other Kubernetes ones that are interesting that'll be there. And it's all based on what's on AWS and what's available as a service for us. So mm -hmm. uh, good stuff there, which gets us into this. Like, hey, we've got products. That are running on AWS, right? We're like yeah. a, we're like a book manufacturer, and as an IT practitioner, you're going to want to learn this and uh, and and add it to your repertoire as as your customers start you know nibbling at what does it mean to have a true hybrid cloud one on AWS. And the more interesting thing with the whole strategy is we're also working with Microsoft and Azure. We're also working with Google, right? Right. Uh, so and we're working with IBM. So all of these solutions, whether it be cloud health or VMC or others will have similar offerings with the same API set, right, and services that are multi-cloud so that now you're not, if you are using this, you can deploy your workload through the cloud health. You can imagine, we haven't announced anything like this yet, but you can imagine if you are managing your workloads on vCloud Health, you can select which cloud vendor makes sense for you mm -hmm. in, for what applications and what region of the world. Right, right. Yeah. To, so, to track those costs. Yeah, true multi-cloud solutions from yeah. VMware. Right? It's interesting because I want to say, and man, don't quote me on this, but I want to say I think AirWatch, when we purchased them, their um, instances were running in Amazon. Uh, so that might have been the first, first one that, uh, cloud yeah. you know, service that we offered. And then, of course, Wavefront is a, yep. uh, it's a native uh, service to Amazon. Um, and it's almost incidental, right? It's like, uh, you know, the, the value of the service is what it is, right. not the, the fact that it's built in Amazon, except the infinite scalability. And then we can't skip, uh, so talk about Wavefront. Obviously, mm -hmm. we've had uh, Bill Roth on the show a couple times. Yeah. Data vi visualization, great way to collect data from all these different devices and then visualize them and then get intelligence about them and then build apps around what you're, what you're looking at, right. um, which they have all API set for. But then we can't also skip Horizon, oh, right? yeah. Yeah, the whole you know, desktop and cloud. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's also a solution that we've got. And so, again, you know, we, we start looking at all the services. Um, you know, we better get out of the business of racking and stacking servers. Right? Um, yeah. So I think especially, you know, when you don't know, like, a, what a new business or, you know, venture is going to do or a business unit is trying a new service, you know, to have those kind of uh, variable workloads, um, you know, if some, you try something and it's super successful and you need to scale it by 2x or 3x or 100x or 1,000x, I mean, you know, to be able to do that in the cloud is so much easier than to do it, you know, in your on-prem data center. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then you have to have budget as well. So this, sure. these things, these things do, do cost money. Be... Uh, better incorporate charging for the thing that you're building. Right. Right. Somebody right. has right. to be accountable for those costs. And if it grows by 100x, but, you know, the cost needs to stay, like, you know, exactly the same, well, then, you know, that, that wasn't built in. You need to 
go back and rethink that. Right, right. And then the easy on-ramp, I want to say the gateway drug for cloud is SRM, right? Yes. If you've got your data center already there and you just need some, <laughs> some site recovery management you know, framework, uh, we've got that there. Yeah, and we, we talked to GS Calsa um, maybe about a month ago now, and right. that was really eye-opening, this idea that you could just have kind of a um, – like a constant instance that's not doing much except your pilot-like workloads, attach the R5 metal instance and have it uh, scale up in storage. All you really need to do is pay for the amount of storage that you're using along with like the kind of baseline smaller uh, uh, entry-level cluster. And then if you actually need to spin up um, you know, disaster recovery or test disaster recovery, then all you do is pay for the cycles that you're using for the time that you're using it for the testing or for the actual DR event, as opposed to paying for all those servers. All those servers sitting there just waiting for some event that might happen. Doing nothing, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good business model, right? That's 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 yeah. just the way to go. Yeah. Right? And I've talked to customers again where you know they're they're grappling with how to how to pay for the financial model of disaster recovery, and either it's you know our app dev. Teams are going to be, you know, using that hardware, and if we have a testing or an event, then basically their stuff gets, you know, shut down with like, you know, four minutes notice. Um, but then, you know, dev test, you know, starts to become, you know, kind of critical to the business, right? Like, you can't just shut down for for 30 days, you know, because of a DR event. You know, that'll impact a, um, you know, a business initiative or delivering a new service. You know, so. It's a conundrum, right? Right, right, right. Well, we're we're reaching up to the top of the hour. Uh, so, John White, um, how do people follow you on Twitter? The closing, the closing, the closing interview. Right? And what are your major challenges for the next, uh, the next twelve months? And where are you going to be? And what are you going to be doing? Um, <laughs> I am on Twitter at the journeyman. Uh, I have a, another podcast that I do, the Nerd Journey podcast, uh, talking about the navigating the IT career. So that's at Nerd Journey um, or nerd-journey.com. Um, if you want to talk about IT career uh, management and progression. Uh, me, I'm around the Bay Area. So if you're ever coming through, uh, please feel free to reach out to me and we can uh, grab lunch or a snack together, coffee, whatever. Uh, I think that I don't have any uh, strict travel. I take that back. I'm going to be in Minnesota on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> I'm not um, going anywhere except uh, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm going to be in Raleigh in about a month uh, for customer visits. Um, other than that, uh, I don't know that reInvent is on my schedule. Uh, maybe I'll talk to my manager today figure out if I can work that in. I know that I will not be in Barcelona unless uh, I hit the lottery, which is very unlikely because I do not play. Yes, there you go. Well, well, that's good. So V Journeyman, um, nice to always have you here. And, yeah. uh, and the, 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 Bay area, the, the, the Bay is black today, so we're dark gray or whatever the color was. It was black this right, morning, right, I'll tell you that. Yeah, much. come early enough now. Black I will be, and the team will be in uh, Barcelona. Uh, one announcement to make, which is kind of a little bit sad. I don't know if I told people this or not yet, but Elsa Mayer is uh, leaving the team. So uh, sad for the team. Yeah, sad for the team there. She'll be moving on. She is going to AWS. Oh, I'm, I'm not, good I'm for a, her. I don't I'm know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but uh, she is going to AWS. Um, 
And it, it really was just uh, they had a position up in the city for her, mm-hmm. uh, and she commutes from the city down to Palo Alto day after day. And so that can be a tough commute. Yeah, and uh, and we still we still hang out with her. She's working at AWS, which is which is good, and uh, we like that. Uh, and uh, she's going to be running the or helping run. I don't know what what level of running means, but uh, uh, AWS has a loft area that helps help start up. So if you're running on AWS and you need help with startup facilities, uh, they have a loft area where you can come in, use their tables, engage with people, and then they, they provide the startup services. So sounds like so a good what gig. what I'm hearing is that if I'm ever in the city and I need to hang you out. You need to hang out. We got a place. Okay, uh, yeah, and, 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 and not only that, but all you, all you need to do is say you're an AWS customer and kind of have an account, which we do because we spend money on the VExpert app and other things running on AWS native. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we we can go up there and uh, hang out in the city and get a coffee and All right. and and give her give give her give the whole place a hard time. Right? <laughs> sell some uh, sell some 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 services to a lot right. of little startup guys. Hey everybody, how do I monitor my costs? Maybe we yeah. have a good idea here. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're at 59 minutes and 10 seconds since we've gone live, so we've done the hour. I hope it's been useful. I'm really excited about uh, our Amazon offerings. Uh, we're going to start marketing. To, we're talking to Tommy Berry about marketing VMware on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, people are yelling at us, no, it's VMware on AWS, right? I'm like, yeah, I like saying VMware on Amazon. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see where that goes, but it is true. We've got a lot of offerings now, over 10 different offerings uh, that are really, and with uh, vCloud Health, we're just we're just there now, so should be should should be a lot of fun uh, over the next year or so as we really are entering the uh, hybrid cloud days. Yeah, yeah, right. exciting. Yeah, exciting. All right, with that, uh, we'll 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 end the show. Hopefully, we'll have a guest next week. We we'll get our act together, and uh, until then, I hope we uh, see you at VMworld. Go register if you can get the dollars to go. We'll be there, and uh, let us know if we can do anything for you guys. Till then, uh, no barbecue report other than, uh, you know, I'm still on uh, trying not to eat too much sugary barbecue stuff. So I'm going to be in North Carolina. I wonder Ooh. what I can get there. Uh, South Carolina's whole hog, which is what I really want to try. I'll, I'll have to, somebody tweet at me, at B Journeyman, what can I do in Raleigh as far as barbecue? Yeah. I need to know. We do take whole corn, you know, because that's still healthy and on a yeah. whole corn in the husk and put it on the barbecue and just grill it. Right. Do you take the silk out first? Uh, no, we just put the whole thing in, leave it completely wrapped, right, and just cook it until it's cr- burnt. Nice. You can take some of the green wrap off if you want to cook it quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh yeah, yeah. Soak it, it water ahead of time. Anything no, like that? just put it right on. Straight on. Yeah, and it'll steam, oh, wow. and That's it'll so you know great. get a little crunchy. And uh, depends on when you pull it off, how of well course. you do on that. But uh, yeah, you know, it does it in like 20 minutes, depending on how hot your coals are. And, yeah, nothing like that. And then we take a slab of butter, and then we just roll the whole corn in the slab of butter. You know, just spin it. I've seen boom. that. What right. I tend to do is I have a piece of bread that I heavily butter, and then, and then just, just roll, roll, the that, bread. roll yeah. that in. Yeah. Okay, it's time for lunch. And uh, with that, we're going to let everybody go. Thanks for saying hello on chat, and uh, we'll see you again next week as always. Till then, have a great day. <laughs>